Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a mini episode from M's Books and Cats podcast, where I'm sharing my book, The Last Witch, with you a chapter a week. And this week is chapter five. Enjoy. A few days later, Blade asked me to meet his sister. I thought he gave me an odd look as he spoke, but I remained silent. I didn't want him to know I'd been following him, and I hoped that Evelyn would keep quiet about our previous encounter. He took my hand as we walked slowly down the drive, through the hazy, early morning sunlight. The air was already thick and hot. The day was going to be a scorcher. Blade was talking about a video he'd seen that morning. It was something stupid, like a singing cat or something. I listened, but I wasn't really interested. Valencia had a phobia of technology, and computers in particular. I used to think it was senility, but with my new information, I now had to wonder at her real reason for the technological blackout. I decided to ask her when I got home. I'd seen the internet at school, and I was pretty proficient with computers, but I wasn't obsessed the way most kids my age seemed to be. Blade certainly was. He rambled on about different videos all the way to his house. Not that I minded. He was happy. There was a look on his face that made me smile, and his voice was alive and excited. I loved being with him when he was like this. Even with everything Valencia had told me, I still loved him. Deep down, I believed that true love could conquer all obstacles, that no evil lived in him, and our love would win out in the end. I still watched him closely, searching for proof that he was a rasky. Valencia was convinced and had told me to look for changing eye color, vocal oddities, or strange smells. He kept smiling at me, and I couldn't help but smile back. There were no changes to his handsome face as we walked down the drive, and I was beginning to doubt Valencia's sanity as well as everything she had taught me. I wanted to be a normal teenager. I wanted to go to school next year as Blade's girlfriend and lead a normal life. I didn't want to be an apprentice to my crazy great-grandmother. I was dreaming of a normal witch-free life when we reached Blade's house. The brick monstrosity loomed before us, and for a moment the sky darkened ominously. A cold wind swept over us and left goosebumps on my arms. Blade just smiled at me. The sun was on his face, and his eyes looked red for a moment, orangey red, as if his irises were on fire. It was gone in a fraction of a second, and I couldn't be sure if it had really happened, or if Valencia's paranoia was rubbing off on me. I wanted so much to believe that Blade was just a boy, not some ancient evil out to destroy me. Blade's mother opened the door as we approached. She was thin and brown from the hours she spent gardening in the hot summer sun. She was dressed for working in her garden, but dropped her gloves to shake my hand and welcome me into their home. We went into the kitchen, where she poured us two large glasses of lemonade. I thought about the apple wine Blade brought to the maze as we drank. The lemonade was cool and sweet. Blade's mom smiled at me, and I was suddenly aware of the deep silence that filled the house. Blade seemed to notice it too. He set his glass down a little harder than he should have, making his mother and I jump at the sound. Where's Evelyn? His mother looked nervous. She seemed to shrink as she focused her attention on stirring the ice cubes in her glass. I'm not sure. She went out to play an hour ago and hasn't come back yet. Blade sighed. 
Well, I guess she'll have to meet Casey some other time. It's probably for the best. She was cranky this morning. I don't think she slept well last night. The storm was so loud. She looked at me for a response, and I managed to agree that it had been very loud, though I had no idea what she was talking about. I hadn't heard a storm. She smiled a small, sad smile and excused herself, telling us to have fun and help ourselves to anything we wanted in the kitchen. She went out to her garden, pulling on her floral print gloves and placing the large straw hat atop her curly head. As the door banged shut behind her, I turned to Blade in astonishment. Isn't she worried? Who? He looked confused, as if I had suddenly started speaking a different language. Your mom. She hasn't seen your sister in an hour, but she doesn't seem worried. Oh, Evelyn does this all the time. When she's upset, it's better to just leave her alone until she decides to come back. But she's six. You don't leave a six-year-old alone. Blade sighed again. Trust me, Casey. It's not a big deal. Evelyn will be back this afternoon, safe and sound. I didn't say anything else about it. Blade seemed so tired as he talked about his sister, and I wanted him to go back to the happy, carefree mood he'd been in before. He gave me a tour of their house. It was old, built in the mid-1800s, each brick laid by the hands of the farmers who had once lived there. There were strange little half-walls in some of the rooms, and most of the ancient wooden doors were warped out of shape and didn't fit their frames any longer. Two doors on the second floor had been replaced. Their smooth, dark wood looked stranger than any of the older oddities in the house. Behind one of the new doors was Blade's room. I was giddy as I entered it. My heart raced with excitement, and my palms were clammy with sweat. The room was a bit of a disappointment. The walls were painted light beige and empty. A dark green throw rug covered the polished blonde wood floor. His bed was covered in a comforter of the same dark green, and the pillows matched the walls. Everything was neatly arranged on the shelves placed on either side of his bed. They mostly held books with the spines turned to face the wall. I went to them and touched one lightly. Please don't. Blade's voice was angry, and I pulled my hand back in surprise. When I looked at him, he just smiled and lifted the dark green curtain that covered the huge windows on the northern wall. Check out the view. The windows covered the entire wall and looked out on the intersection of the road and my driveway. The view from his room was breathtaking. In the distance, the tops of the buildings in town were visible, peaking just above the treetops and aided by the land sloping away from the house into the valley where the town was built along the river. Movement on the lawn below drew my attention, and I saw Blade's mother standing at the edge of the road, staring in the direction of my house. Her mouth was slack, and her eyes rolled up in her head. Her body stiffened, and her arms shot up into the air. As she began convulsing, I screamed and started for the door, but Blade blocked my way. Don't go out there. We need to help her. What's wrong with you? She'll be fine. This happens all the time. Trust me. Go look again. His fingers dug painfully into my arm as he led me back to the window. I didn't want to look. The sight of her possessed and shaking had frightened me. But Blade pulled back the curtain and shoved me forward. My arm ached where his fingers had been, and I rubbed the spot as I cautiously approached the window. I looked out, expecting to see his mother lying dead on the road. But she was kneeling next to their mailbox, cutting the tall grass around the post. She stood up and wiped the sweat from her brow and waved when she saw us watching. She was smiling and looked completely normal. 
I turned back to Blade, but he was sitting on his bed, seemingly absorbed by the leaf pattern of his comforter. I didn't know what to say. As the tense, silent moments passed, I thought about just asking him outright if he was a rasky, but quickly banished the idea. I couldn't risk it. If he was, he would know I'd started my training, and I would probably be killed. If he wasn't a rasky, well, I probably wouldn't see him again. I sat down on the bed. He absently took my hand, and we sat looking into each other's eyes in silence. He kissed me suddenly, and my heart felt like it would pound out of my chest. He pulled away swiftly a moment later and dropped my hand as he stood up. It's too hot. Let's get out of here. The backyard is much cooler. I followed him reluctantly down the stairs, through the kitchen, and out the back door. We stepped out into a cool green paradise. Compared to the opulence of my backyard, it was refreshingly simple. A large green lawn, perfectly trimmed, stretched out like a carpet, running right up to the edge of the forest. Directly behind the house was a thick grove of cool and fragrant pine trees. I inhaled deeply and sighed. There was some kind of power in those trees. I could feel it the moment we stepped outside, and I longed to go and explore. But Blade threw himself down on the grass and patted the spot beside him. There was a good energy around us, something invigorating and new. As I watched Blade, lounging with the sun on his peaceful face, I once again doubted Valencia's sanity. This place seemed safe and devoid of anything dangerous or dark. Blade and his mother were odd, but they didn't seem evil. We spent the next few hours basking in the sun. Blade's mom brought us some homemade cookies, still warm from the oven with the chocolate melting inside. I felt sad as I ate them. This was the kind of life I had always wanted. A comfortable and loving family with a mom who made cookies and gardened while wearing ridiculous hats. Valencia hadn't done those things. She'd always had her ancient facade, and my childhood had been cold and lonely. She loved me, and there were moments of tenderness. But it was a weak replacement for the love of a mother, something I barely remembered, but greatly desired. Blade wouldn't go near the pine forest. I really wanted to explore the winding trails, but he adamantly refused. He grew agitated and said he found it creepy. He claimed it smelled bad, like something was rotting somewhere nearby. I couldn't believe it. The forest smelled wonderful and fresh, and I wanted to explore its shady depths. I said nothing about it, forcing a smile and dropping the issue as quickly as I could, but my eyes were constantly drawn toward those trees. I kept waiting for Blade's sister and was certain she would come bouncing around the corner at any moment. I couldn't imagine a six-year-old being left to wander on her own for so long, but neither Blade nor his mom seemed to give it a passing thought. We had a lavish picnic lunch on the back lawn, but still no Evelyn. After lunch, Blade suggested we walk back to my house and wander around the maze again. I wasn't sure I wanted to go back there, but I agreed. Blade's mom hugged me when we said goodbye. She looked sad. Her face changed briefly to something resembling panic as she reminded Blade to be back in time to watch his sister that afternoon. As we rounded the corner, the house came into view. Valencia was hobbling toward us. She stumbled and sprawled onto the dirt. We rushed to her. Blade took her arm and lifted her to her feet. She winced in pain when he touched her, but he didn't notice. Her face was turned toward me, and through the greasy tangles of her hair, I saw tears in her eyes. What a nice young man you are, Blade. Are you all right, Mrs. Valdala? I feel a little off. 
Perhaps I should go lie down. Casey, will you help me? Of course. Blade left us at the front steps and went home while I tended to Valencia. I was secretly relieved to see him go. Valencia leaned heavily on me as we walked into the house. I thought it was part of her act, but when the door closed behind us, she dropped onto a chair and started to cry. I was terrified. She clutched her arm where he had touched her and bawled like a child. I sat watching in stunned silence, unable to move or speak. When the pain lessened, she told me to bring her a bottle from the hidden room. The slender green vial was filled with a pale yellow liquid that smelled like lavender. Valencia didn't speak while she bathed her arm, wincing a little less each time she touched the affected area. When she was finished, she handed the bottle to me. Her eyes were red and watery. Help me to the room. There is much to be done, and we cannot wait any longer. She would say nothing more until we were safely locked in the hidden room. Even then, she hesitated, searching for the right words. I was impatient and unable to sit still. I paced around the room, examining the many bottles and pouches that littered the shelves. Tucked amongst them were other odd objects, coated in dust and untouched for many, many years. One of these was a small silver case. Valencia took it from the shelf and rubbed the dust away, revealing an intricately engraved cover, and in the center was the name Clara. This was your mother's, Valencia said, handing the case to me before settling into her chair. I gave it to her when she was a child, for at that time she was the last of the witches of Norg Hollow. Valencia's voice broke, and I looked up from the carvings to see that she was crying quietly. Her shoulders shook, but when I tried to comfort her, she put up her hand and told me to sit down. Already the tears were drying on her face. Don't worry about me. I will be fine. I miss your mother very much, but there is no time for that right now. I waited too long before, and she died as a result. I cannot allow that to happen to you. I promised Clara I would keep you safe, and I shall. Another long moment of silence passed before she continued. In that case is a powerful amulet. It once belonged to the king of the Raskis, is the source of his godlike powers. The witch who succeeded in splitting him took it as a souvenir, without any idea of what it truly was. Little was known about the Raskis and their magic at that time. Our knowledge came later, after much research and experimentation. Use it wisely, and it will keep you safe in the trials to come. But Casey, be very careful about when and where you use it. The amulet has its own powers. It will call forth many creatures, only told of in folklore and children's tales. Do not be fooled into thinking you can control it, for you do not. There is only one who can, and he must never return. What trials are you talking about? What's going to happen to me? Valencia sighed. She passed her hand over her face, brushing away a fresh batch of tears. I fear that you will be the deciding factor in an ancient feud. The witches of Norg Hollow and the Raskis were at war for centuries before the fall of their leader. Our powers waned afterward, and many witches began to leave for other lands. The Raskis were in hiding, and many believed they were gone for good. Norg Hollow slowly drifted into shadow, and our once great powers weakened. At that time, just before Norg Hollow was lost, a great witch made a prophecy that one day when we were all but destroyed, a young witch, the last witch, would meet the great Rasky in battle, and having defeated him, 
She would sail south to find Norg Hollow and renew the powers that have been lost. We all thought she had gone mad at the time. Even with our diminished powers, we were certain that Norg Hollow could not be lost, and that we would endure and return from our journeys refreshed and invigorated. No one planned to leave forever. Our travels were to be merely exploration, the gathering of information about the other lands to help us better understand the world and our place in it. She looked at me keenly. Her face was a mask of pain and regret. I could see the lands of Norg Hollow in my mind, the flowing rivers, the lush grassy hills, the flat fertile plains, and the towering mountains. I could see Valencia as she had once been, young and beautiful with power emanating from her fingertips. I felt a strong desire to go there, like it was the home I had been searching for my entire life. The witches never left Norg Hollow before that time. A few had been banished for disobeying the rules, but none had ever left of their own will. We split up and traveled to different times and lands, for Norg Hollow is a place beyond time as this world knows it. No one ever returned. We would occasionally find each other in this world, but the meetings were rare and grew even more so as the witches began meeting their fate. Now is the time of the prophecy. You are the last, and the great Rasky has found you. I wish it could have been later, after you had a chance to learn more magic, but perhaps it is better this way. Why are you so worried? The prophecy says I win. The fate of things is never certain, and the prophecy was made long ago. Any event in the last few centuries could have changed it. It is up to you. I believe you can do it. You're strong and stubborn, like I was at your age. I hope it is so. I hope you get to see Norg Hollow, the place that is always on my mind in the day and haunts my dreams at night. How I would love to see it one more time. I'll take you with me. You have to come. How will I know how to find it? I'm afraid I won't be there to help you, Casey. You'll have to find it on your own. You must be the last witch. And my end is coming. I have felt it since the arrival of your friend. And today, when he touched me, I knew it was true. Fear and sadness swept over me, and I fell into Valencia's open arms, burying my face in her shoulder. She rubbed my back and spoke quiet, loving words to me until I calmed down. After years of living together, this was our closest moment and I regretted the lost time greatly. Time is precious now. We cannot waste a single second. I want you to be as prepared as possible before it begins. Before what begins? Many years ago, not long after I escaped from Sparks, another witch came to Crystal River. Her name was Ameda. She was an elderly witch before we left the island, and she was standing on the brink of death. I could see its shadow hanging over her as she stood on the front steps, holding a velvet-wrapped package. It was the amulet. She brought it to me because I was the only other witch she could find. She knew her time had come, and she had searched the world for someone to watch over the amulet. She died as she walked away, just fading into the failing light of dusk until she was no more. I began having strange dreams. The mighty witches of my past came to me, 
and told me that the final witch of Norg Hollow would be my kin. I thought then that it would be my daughter, but that part of the dream was always hazy. That was when I built the maze behind the house. I don't know why I did it, but at the time I believed it was necessary. I think it will have something to do with the final trials, but I am not sure how. For now we can only prepare for whatever may befall you. Come, we have talked too long. We need to get to work. We spent the rest of the day poring over books of spells and potions and charms, trying to decide which ones were important and which ones could be left for later. I have to admit my thoughts were not completely on the work at hand. I tried to focus, but Valencia's impending death troubled me. Blade was in my thoughts as well. Not as my enemy, but as an object of desire. I couldn't help but love him. He was my first crush, my first kiss, my first boyfriend. I didn't want to fight him, or whatever it was I was supposed to do, and I kept wondering what would happen if I refused. And that is the end of Chapter 5, Book Lovers. I hope you're enjoying The Last Witch. I will be back next week with a new chapter. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a beautiful week. And until next time, keep reading. A Media Production.